October 30th, a new week begins for the Calgary Flames, and a new week begins on Flames Talk. This hour underway from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Aaron Vickers from NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Vix and I have uh, already seen a lot of one another. Well, actually, I didn't see much of Vickers because he was in the back seat. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've seen a yes. lot of one another. Uh, because uh, earlier on this Monday, we took the trip back from Edmonton for the 2023 Heritage Classic, which was awesome. But I don't think you really want us to kick off this hour of Flames Talk talking about how awesome the Heritage Classic was. How much fun we had. Or, or even talk the, the spectacle. Let's get texts about how awesome it was. No, that's not what you want to hear after another loss. We got to talk about what's going on with this team as the month of October comes to an end. We've got two more days left in October. This team is reeling. They have won twice of their first nine games or two of their first nine games. They have lost now seven of their last eight. They have lost five in a row. Is it time to sound the alarm? Is it time to pound that panic button? And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer to that question, but I no longer think that it is being hyperbolic I no longer think it is being alarmist to ask that question this team has been together as a general core for now 91 games 91 meaningful games this team has played together basically in identical fashion I know Toffoli hasn't been there the last nine games and Sharon Govich is here and Greer and a few other Coronado I understand it's not identical but the core is basically identical it's still Kadri Huberdo, Anderson, Hannafin, Markstrom. Like, this is the same core that missed the playoffs last year. This is the same core that frustrated the hell out of their fans last year. And this same core is off to an absolutely miserable bottom-end NHL start to the season. And these losses are not coming in inspired fashion, which is maybe the most alarming part of all of this. They got killed in the first period of Sunday's game. And even more so than I thought while watching the game live. Vantage point I was in was awesome, but didn't necessarily give you the full picture of exactly how much dominance the Oilers were showing in that first period into the second period. Vix, in an outdoor classic, a heritage classic outdoor game, national television against your arch rival against the team also trying to get out of an unbelievably negative slump. The flames gave up eight high danger chances at five on five in the first period to the tune of eight, nothing after 40 minutes of play at five on five slot opportunities. High danger chances were 17 to two in favor of the Edmonton Oilers had the flames not gotten their two five on threes which were of um, limited, of, of varying uninspired outputs, have they not had all those power plays in the first period specifically, 
That game could have been over after 20 minutes of play. And had it not been for Jacob Markstrom being dialed in his first ever outdoor game, that could have been over after 20 minutes of play. That is the most alarming part, is that we're talking about a team that is needing to be urgent, is preaching urgency, and they came out, was it nerves? Was it lack of prepper? I don't know. But once again, after Thursday's game, where we heard some of the best quotes of the year that we'll get all year, and that's how they started? A game in front of 60,000 people televised nationally against your arch rival? It, I don't think I'm being an alarmist anymore when I'm saying that, like, okay, where are we on the panic button thing here? This is starting, to, they're, not, they're now more than 10% through their season. This is, this is starting to get very worrying. Heading into the game, you had two teams that had parallel paths to the start of their season. Different rosters, yes, but when you break it down, you have the Battle of Alberta. You have the Battle of Alberta outdoors. You have the Heritage Classic and the pomp and circumstance and the atmosphere, the environment, all of that cooking. You have an opponent in the Edmonton Oilers that are also losers of four straight heading into the game. You have an Edmonton Oilers opponent who had one win in seven games to start the season, much like the Calgary Flames had two and eight. And you get outshot 10 rip to start the game on the national broadcast, the outdoor game. You name it, this was the game. And we had heard from both sides, this isn't just a Flames exclusive. We heard from both sides how the Heritage Classic could be an early season moment where it can lead to a massive momentum swing for the season. Now it's up to the Edmonton Oilers to prove that true because they're the victors. And we heard Michael Backlund leading in one team's going to wake up Monday morning, feeling a lot better than the other. Well, the Calgary flames are waking up this morning, feeling the exact same way they felt Tuesday night, Thursday night. And you mentioned it, the panic button. There's always that question of how do you balance needing urgency without panic. I think we're teetering towards the panic side versus the urgent side, at least from the outside looking into the team, because nothing that I've seen over the course of this four game losing streak or seven of eight leads me to believe that they're on the close, that they're on the precipice of putting it all together and going on a run. Yeah. Well, okay. This is my big question now. Because it's very clear that this group needs to rally. This group needs to take this adversity and turn it into a rallying cry, turn it into something that can galvanize them, turn it into something that they can use to push them forward. You you can bust out all the cliches you want, and they're all true. But my question is, is this the type of group that can do it? And, and I, I don't know the answer to that question. But I think it's a fair question to ask. Like, is this a group that is built to rally around something? Because from the outside, it does not seem like the most functional locker room that we've ever seen. We're we're talking about different messages coming from different guys. One guy saying everything's okay. One guy saying that it's too many individuals. One guy saying that uh, no, we are a great. Like, we're hearing different messages. They look as disconnected as any Flames team I can remember on the ice. So I I honestly don't know. And and I, I hope the answer is yes. I hope that this is a group that does have it in them. 
I think there are some damn good pros inside that locker room who would love nothing more to help bring a team together and say, guys, let's shut Vickers and Steinberg and John and Jill and everybody else up who is talking negatively about this team. I think there are some really, really good pros in that room who want to do that and who want to use this as something that they can kind of rally around to dig out of a hole. But I'm not, I'm not sure. I guess I don't have full confidence that, is a, that this is a group that can do that. And, and I asked the question not in a doubting way, but more in a, I just don't know. Like, what are you? Is this a strong group? We have been told that this is a strong group, that they believe that they're a high-end team, and they believe that together they can come out of this. Can you? And this is now when we're really going to start to find out. This is because if this goes on much longer, this season's over. So can you? Do you do you want to see guys traded? Do you want to see your team gutted this season and a bunch of prospects and picks flooded into the organization? Because I know for a fact that a lot of guys in that room don't want to see that happen because you want to be competitive. So go out and make Craig Conroy's decision a little bit more clear here. I say this slightly in jest, but if they need bulletin board material from Steinberg and Vickers to jumpstart this thing, it's already lost. And you go back, is this a group that can find that rallying point? Well, I don't think we necessarily saw any particular event or circumstance that allowed this group to rally last year over the course of an 82-game schedule and a non-playoff performance. We haven't seen it through nine games this season, and there was perhaps some optimism. I don't think it was lip service in thinking that the Heritage Classic could be one of those one-off events, even though we're talking about a game in October, hopefully helping define your season. We certainly didn't see that. You're right. There are some good pros in that room. There are some great pieces in that room. On paper, this team should be much better than the record indicates. We just didn't see it last year, and we haven't seen it this year through, as you mentioned, over 10% of the season we're into now. We haven't seen it yet. Want to play this for you uh, because I I do think it was strong, honest stuff from A.J. Greer. He scored one of Calgary's two goals in Sunday's Heritage Classic. I asked him on our postgame show Sunday, um, the Heritage Classic wrap-up show from Commonwealth Stadium. I said, okay, how do you get this thing back on the rails? What did the Flames need to do? Greer has turned into one of the better quotes inside that room and, and Listen to, uh, this was A.J. Greer, kind of, uh, this. these are the words that you want to hear. These are rallying cry type words. This was A.J. Greer postgame on Sunday. Just staying consistent in, in what we value and what we uh, each, each one of us brings to the table um, as far as players. Uh, you know, we got guys who do different things in the lineup, and uh, those different things have to come come out every single night, every single shift. Um, and we got to, you know, we got to be hard on puck. We, we got to have some jam and, and be there to, to support each other and play as a team. I'm, I'm sure enough we're going to get out of this. Right now it's tough. I know it's tough for, for the fans, for the city, and, and, and everyone around us. And I just want to say it's even tougher for us. But we're doing everything we can, and, and we're sticking up as a group to, to make sure that we're doing everything that uh, we can to, to perform every night. And we're going to get out of this, and I'm sure we're going to have a successful season. Um, but stay with us. So A.J. Greer says... Stay with us. 
We're working. We're trying to get out of this. Now here's here's a, a an opportunity for the Flames to to truly put up or shut up. Like this is and and I don't say that in like a confrontational or or hot take type of way. It's just last year was a nightmare. And they deserved to miss the playoffs last year with with the way some of the, some of the some of the 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 different things that happened last year. They they deserve to miss the playoffs. But we've been hearing since the end of last season, since Daryl Sutter was let go, since Brad Treliving moved on, that it's a different vibe, it's a different feel. And with this group, we think that we're capable of being a whole lot better than we were last year. We think that the excitement from the summer of 2022 was valid and that we can be a high-end team. They're kind of running out of time to prove that that's the case because I don't think that Craig Conroy and co can be a whole lot more patient and need a whole lot more body of work to figure out exactly what they have and thus make some really important directional decisions for where this team's going. Yeah, based on the play of the Calgary Flames through the opening of the season, there are some decisions that are going to need to be made. And it's funny you use the word patience because I have here on my sheet just a question. Is the time for patience over? But again, if you're going to skip over patience, you can't make panic moves. You can't make panic decisions. You've still got to think both in the short-term and the long-term vision of the organization but there's very little shown over the course of the past month of that this team is ready to go in this direction and you might have to pivot organizationally for the short term and the long term going, we need to reimagine this vision of the Calgary Flames because as it stands right now, we've gone through an 82-game schedule. We've gone through the next nine after we thought we corrected or altered or changed the mood of the entire organization, almost literally from top down to the, to the roster to a certain degree, but the results are still exactly the same. And there's going to be a lot of tough questions that they're going to have to ask themselves, both from a, a management perspective, a coaching perspective, and most certainly a player perspective. Well, and right now it kind of feels like this team is screaming at Craig Conroy. Like, I don't know if it's purposeful, but it kind of feels like right now they are screaming at the general manager what they are. And that is an average mediocre team that right now is not able to get what they need out of the players that are supposed to lead them. And, and I believe Conroy's listening. I ought like, I, I, I believe Craig Conroy is looking. What did his predecessor always say? You take your cues from your team. Well, right now the cues that Craig Conroy is being given by his team they're pretty loud and pretty clear to interpret. And I'm not suggesting that they should make a decision definitively on their direction on October 30th. But I'm not saying that you wait a whole lot much longer either. When's U.S. Thanksgiving? We're a few weeks away from Thanksgiving in the U.S., right? I was going to ask, is that a hypothetical question or were you looking for a literal date there? Because it is Thursday, November 23rd. So we are a little bit more than three, three weeks. weeks away. That seems like a pretty good... That seems like a pretty good body of work from the start of October, October 11th to November 23rd. Seems like a pretty good amount of time to get your ducks in a row to see if this team can achieve closer to what I think a lot of people thought this team could be. Or 
if what we see continues to be this rather average to below average team, that, that that's what they've been so far. They're two six and one through nine games. They are a below average team right now that have shown some flashes of maybe being a little bit better. And so if you're if you're Craig Conroy, take another two or three weeks here and say, okay, what what exactly are we? I know what happened last year, but I want to give this new group with Daryl Sutter removed from the equation. I want to give them a little bit more time to show me what they are. And if you don't see like marked improvement, and we're not talking on November 15th about a group that like, holy flames look like a pretty good team right now. And, and Jonathan Huberto is playing well. And Nazem Kadri is, has been close to a point per game for the last two weeks. If like, we're not seeing things like that, I do not believe the Flames can sign any one of their unrestricted free agents to a contract beyond this year because those are the signs that, and I, I honestly believe that's what we're talking about anyway. Like I, I think we're talking about a wait-and-see situation on both sides, Flame side and UFA side. I think that Lindholm's camp, I think that Hannafin's camp, I know that uh, Elliot Friedman talked a little bit about it on Monday's 32 Thoughts. I think the player sides are like, okay, let's just dial back. Things were moving in a certain direction. Let's dial back. And I, I think the Flames are in the same type of mindset right now, too. They should be. Let's just dial back and let's see what we are. And let's see where things are going. And you've got an opportunity to make some pretty important pivot moves if that is what this team tells you. This team tells you something else. Great. I would love that. You would love that. It sure would make this show a whole lot more fun to do. Sure would make the post games a whole lot more positive. Kind of weary of some of these conversations because we've been having them for like 90 games. But if that if if that's not what this team tells the GM, you've got a pretty clear answer and a pretty clear direction to go with Noah Hannafin, with Elias Lindholm, with Nikita Zadorov, with, with Chris Tanev. And not, not even just the UFAs, but those are the four that come to mind right away. You can make a pivot. You can get, you can get multiple first-round picks. You can get some top 60 picks. You can get some young NHLers or some prospects. And it may not be the rip-it-down-to-the-studs rebuild that a lot of people want, which is kind of hard to do with some of the contracts you already have signed, but it sure can help you reload on the fly, pivot, and go in a different direction that maybe isn't the direction that a lot of people are fearing this team is going in right now. From 80 feet, that American Thanksgiving date of November 23rd looks so interesting because, as you mentioned, the Flames are through nine games, two wins. The Flames will play 10 times between now and that November 23rd. I don't want to call it a deadline, but the November 23rd American Thanksgiving date. And we all know the stat among you're not in a playoff spot by American Thanksgiving. Your odds of making the playoffs are like sub 10% or whatever it is. Historically, that's been disproven, I think, a little bit more frequently over the last three, four, five seasons. But the Flames now, they're in the situation they're in. But they've also got 10 games to get to that American Thanksgiving deadline. And again, I haven't seen much that leads me to believe that they're on the precipice of busting out of this slump and going on a three, four, five, six game heater. But if you're able to put together some positive momentum in that 10 game stretch, Maybe it alleviates some of the conversations that we're having, that fans are having, that probably they're having, well, they're certainly having in the dressing room right now about the lack of success that they've found. But to your point on unrestricted free agents in particular, I don't know how you make a move 
if you're the Calgary Flames one way or the other prior to that, I mean, pending a, somebody calls you up and says, we're going to yeah, give you the farm for, yeah, for yeah. this. Yeah. But what are the Calgary Flames? And you'll certainly know what they're not in terms of they're not a contender for the playoffs by November 23rd. If this kind of stretch continues, and you mentioned it's four five straight, pardon me, seven five of straight, eight. Seven of eight. I mean, it's seven of nine to start their season. Seven of nine to start the season. I just don't know from an organizational standpoint how you're going to rubber stamp a couple of eight-year contracts. And on the flip side, if I'm a player, do I want to commit eight years after 82 games last season of what we saw and nine games of what we've seen so far this year? Yeah. And I again, I really do believe both sides are on the wait-and-see train right now and should be on the wait and see train like I'm, and both and each side should understand the other side in, in that sense 100%. of hey we're just going to pump the brakes on everything and we're just going to sit evaluate and potentially cooler heads prevail maybe not but now is not the time for a decision That's from a either really side good way of putting it now is not the time for either side to be making a decision of that magnitude noah hannafin if i was an objective advisor and and noah hannafin came to me and said what should i do i'd say yeah, you know what? Probably wait and see. I don't think you should sign an eight-year contract right now. And if the Flames and Craig Conroy came to me as the objective advisor, I would say, yeah, I don't think you should sign Noah Hannafin or Elias Lindholm to an eight-year contract. And right that's now. not an indictment on the the players. No, it's just it's in, just what an are you on the situation? Absolutely, it's what are you? What are we? Where are we going with this? Because again. It hasn't been great. I don't need to tell the listeners that. They've more than seen it with their own eyes. And if you need to go in another direction and pivot, whether it's a, again, not necessarily a, a rip it to the studs sort of situation, as you mentioned with a couple of contracts that aren't necessarily at the moment movable, then you need to take a, a step back, evaluate and pause before you roll out more money, more years, more term. And I do believe that if if it becomes a if if it becomes clear what this group is, and if it becomes clear that yeah, this is probably what they're they're probably a you know not non playoff team. They're challenging more and, for sixth in the Pacific instead I mean, of third. They're they're sitting thirty one right now, and I know it's early. I know it's not even November, and that is not a permanent thing necessarily. But, yeah, if that remains the case and they continue giving Craig Conroy very clear cues, I do believe he'll act on those cues because it's not like he wasn't trying to move Noah Hannafin in the summertime. It's not like he wasn't, and I'm not saying he was trying to move him, but we didn't think Noah Hannafin was re-signing in the summertime. So the belief is that Craig was was looking at, at making some moves and, and was open to moving a player like Noah, a deal that made sense for the type of player Hannafin is, never materialized. And so a patient approach, I think, is the way to go. And I think in season, you can take a look around at some teams and say, all right, you're not off to the start you're looking for. Let's talk. And the deal doesn't have to be made by American Thanksgiving, but... Once you make that pivot, you're in season. You can really start to get the ball rolling. And maybe a deal doesn't materialize until January. But at the very least, when you make that pivot, you can 
start to dial in on the type of price you're looking for for these players. And you should be getting first-round picks for Hannafin and Lindholm. You should be getting prospects and, and other top 60 or top 90 picks in these conversations. And so you start the ball rolling, and I think it's realistic that you can make those trades in season. I really do, especially if they're going to be making those trades. What the hell do they care if they have to eat salary for the rest of the year? Because you don't start making those moves unless you're kind of saying, this season isn't it, and we're going to take a longer-term view. Not to say we're giving up on the year. It's like F1. Teams pivot in season to next year's car all the time. And they'll they'll gear down the R&D on that year's car cuz like look, like Ferrari's not winning the title. Ferrari knew that and, you know, in in May they weren't winning the title and Mercedes knew the same thing. So, and I'm not saying this is always the case because some teams have so much budget they don't have to do that, but a lot of teams say, "You know what? We're going to shift our we're going to allocate our budget now to next year's car." And we're going to play it out with this year, but maybe we're going to start stop being so aggressive on updating this year's car. Well, Flames have a few more races to go, a few more Grand Prix to go before they might need to go down that, that same road. There are too many texts to read right now. I was just, that was a beautiful little soliloquy you had there. I learned so much so quickly about F1. Cam, Cam's a new F1 I fan. had to go look, eh? Just give give Cam a little I peek over this I don't Cam's way. approval. I've been an F1, I've been an you F1 got a thumbs up, for buddy. 15 years. I just wanted to know how, if, if Cam appreciated the F1 reference. Thumbs up from Cam in the uh, other room. Good. Are there are too many texts to read. Like are the, they all the same text, just worded much, differently? Pretty much. Understandable, given the situation. And your point to retaining salary in a potential deal is key and important because as it stands right now, there's t- 14 teams, pardon me, 14 teams in LTIR right now. Cap space isn't in abundance league-wide. Nope. So you might have to do something to facilitate, to negotiate, to make a move. And again, I'm of the firm belief, as are I believe you, is let's wait. I'm Don't not, do anything. I'm not ready to make that decision either way right Don't now. Don't do anything. You've still got 10 games to I'm the American Thanksgiving. a certain way. Do I dare guess? No, I think you have a pretty good idea which one. I wouldn't need to guess. I think that one's uh, that one's pretty automatic. But they, again, they've got uh, again. We're you and I are arbitrary. Well, not arbitrarily making up this American Thanksgiving deadline. It's it's a it's an NHL it's an NHL deadline that, is. deadline that is. If you're not in, your odds are very minimal. But the Calgary Flames again still do have time. We're just over ten percent of the season in. But boy, those first. 10%. You're in a really interesting pocket right now. You're in a pickle. And and this pocket they're in right now, I think will determine exactly which way um things are going. It's uh Yeah, I saw that too. Okay, <laughs> uh, well played. Um yeah, I I'm really fascinated to see where these next 2 or 3 weeks go because that to me, you'll have a good five, six weeks of this season. You'll have the body of work from last season. Well, you'll have 20% of the season done. Yep. Hey, look, somebody texted in earlier. I walked right by Murray Edwards on Sunday evening at Commonwealth Stadium. Murray saw what was going on. Murray was there in person. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I don't know where it's going to go. I know which way I'm leaning right now, but if I'm if it's me... I'm waiting a little while longer to make my definitive call on the rest of this season and how I go about my business with some of these guys. But just think, 
I'll just use I'll just use Noah Hannafin's name right now because I know he's the one that's been out there for the last week or so. And again, I, I believe both sides are very much wait and see right now as they should be. But th- say that say that Craig does decide, yeah, yeah, no, we're going to pivot and we're not going to be signing our unrestricted free agent. Say that does happen. You're telling me that they wouldn't get an absolute haul for 26-year-old Noah Hannafin with 600-plus NHL games. They eat $2 million of what is already an extremely high-value contract. You're telling me that they don't have four or five teams that they can leverage right now that are like, yeah, we need an upgrade on our blue line? And even if it's only for one year, teams that think that they're going deep, you're telling me the Dallas Stars wouldn't want an addition for... $2.9 $2.9 million like Noah Hannafin and wouldn't for a give de- up? A defenseman that's currently averaging over 23 minutes a night this season? I thought Hannafin was one of their bright spots in, in the Heritage Classic. Dude played a ton. Played more than 26 minutes on Sunday. Averages half a point a game. Over 20 minutes. Can touch both sides of special teams. What team that can fit it? And again, you can do some things to help make it fit. What team wouldn't want that? And that's just one example, and I think that the same is true to varying extents with all of the other unrestricted free agents in the conversation. I will say, because I do want to balance it before we hit the round table with a little positivity, I will say the Heritage Classic was freaking awesome. It was a really, really fun weekend in Edmonton. If you didn't get an opportunity to go, the next time you have an opportunity, if it works in your budget, if you can make it work, I really do encourage you to go. Does does a Heritage Classic or a Winter Classic or a Stadium Series game in New Jersey or Buffalo or Chicago matter to you or me or you listening? Probably not. But if you get an opportunity to go in a market that means something to you, in a city that you're familiar with, I know Edmonton like the back of my hand, and it was awesome being in that town and, and to see what it meant. And, and it was awesome looking up in about the second period when the sun was down and seeing every seat corner to corner in Commonwealth Stadium full. It's been a long time since Commonwealth Stadium's been that full for a sporting event. And it was awesome to see. And it was a great atmosphere. Kudos to the NHL. Kudos to the city of Edmonton. As much as I hate saying that. Um, Kudos to Oilers fans. Kudos to Flames fans for making the trips. There were plenty of Calgarians who made the trip. It was loud when the Flames scored. Obviously, it was louder when the Oilers scored. It was just it was it was a really neat experience. It was my third opportunity to go to an outdoor game, and they all are awesome for different reasons. And so I just wanted to say it was it was really neat. It's too bad the game was no good from a flame standpoint, but it was a really neat and pretty special weekend. So good on everybody who made it happen. You don't really understand the event. I think until you're there. And as you mentioned, if it's in New Jersey or if they do one in Tampa Bay or if they do one in Columbus, wherever, yeah, probably not going to attract your attention. Like that's fair. That's cut and dry. But when you're there and it's your team, it's your market, it's close in proximity to where you are, you live it and feel it while you're there. And it was just, a great atmosphere all around, whether you were downtown, whether you were around Commonwealth Stadium, when you're in the arena, you're right when the sun goes down and the lights come up and and, and just everything. It was uh, an incredible experience again. As you mentioned, if you can fit it in your budget the next time it comes around, 
make a habit, make it go out of your way to go because you won't be disappointed in the experience. And I know not everybody can and everybody's circumstances are different and I'm sure there'll be one here in this city again down the road. It's just, it was neat. It was cool to make it the Battle of Alberta. Just kudos to everybody. It was, it was a super special, uh, super special weekend. Back in Calgary now, Vickers Steinberg underway this hour on Flamestock from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement. You visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, Patton Vickers and now Derek Wills on the Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Get the chance to drive a brand new GLC 300 with zero down for $1,099 a month. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary airport. Yeah, Wills, he joins us now. The voice of the Flames. The 2023 Heritage Classic is come and gone and... The uh, rough start to the season continues for the Flames. They've now lost seven of eight, and uh, they're two six and one through their first nine games. And we know how rough a start to the season has been. Derek will uh, spare you the uh, first thirty-five minutes or so of the show, which was very, um, you know, it was very negative and downtrodden. And um, yeah, we'll we'll get into some other issues. We'll spare you that conversation um, because I I do think there have been some positives, and I want to start with this potential positive. There's been a lot of praise for Jacob Markstrom, whether it's Ryan Huska, the head coach of the team, whether it's people on the outside, whether it's teammates. What what do we think? It's seven starts now in the books for Jacob Markstrom. I know the record is not anywhere near what he'd like to be, and I know he would argue, in fact, even with you personally, Derek, that it doesn't matter how well he's played. He's not playing well enough. But for us, how do we think Jacob Markstrom's season has started? Well, I appreciate you trying to spare me from the first 35 minutes of the show, but I listened to most of it. So, well, it's your own I fault. You made that choice. Spare myself. <laughs> uh, as far as Jacob Markstrom is concerned, I think he's off to a fantastic start this season. And one of the things that I've said, I think after every single one of the last five games, all losses, is that it's tough to win when your best players aren't your best players pretty consistently. And outside of Jacob Markstrom, I would argue that there's a long list of players who should be the Flames' best players who haven't been their best players often enough this season. But again, Jacob, he has been phenomenal, I would say. He, he has given them a chance to win every single game that he's played in. And the, the crazy stat for me, and I threw it out there during our Heritage Classic broadcast on Sunday, is that when you look back to the start of last season, the Flames have scored zero or one goal in 18 of the 65 games that Jacob Markstrom has played in. Just try to wrap your head around that for a second. You're, you're bordering on 30% of the games that he's played in. They have scored zero or one. You can't win in this league scoring zero, and you rarely win scoring one. So I feel sorry for him. And you know, I asked him last week uh, prior to the team leaving for Edmonton after uh, a practice if he thought – he was doing his part to, to help the team win hockey games. And I thought it was a softball. And I was hoping he would take some credit for how he's played, but he didn't. His response, uh, and this is uh, not verbatim, but he basically said, if I hadn't given up any goals last night, and he was referring to the two that he gave up in that 3 nothing loss to the Blues, then we get the game to overtime, and maybe we win it in OT or a shootout. So 
he's not letting himself off the hook, even though I think he's been their most valuable player nine games into the season. So if there have been some bright spots, for me, the brightest one has been the play of the Flames' number one goaltender who's looking elite again. I don't know what we're talking about, guys. He's only got one point so far this year. <laughs> no. For a damn goal. That, that was a little bit in jest because for me, Jacob Markstrom has been Calgary's best player, hands down. And if you're just scouting the box score, you're probably not all that impressed. He's got a 2.97 goals against and an 895 save percentage, but that's not even close to being indicative of his play. Because those numbers, to be truth be told, aren't that much better than a season ago when he had a 292 and an 892. But if you dig into some more of the fancy stats and per natural stat trick, he's got the second highest expected goals against. So that gives you an, a, a little window or a picture of the type of chances that he's facing. Third highest high danger shots he's faced. 10th in high danger save percentage at 913, which is a, a sparkling save percentage when you're talking about high danger chances. Third in high danger goals saved above average. Yep. So only two other goalies have saved more above average goals than Jacob Markstrom. He's just, for me, it's not even a question of who's been their MVP so far this year, who's been their best player. We talked a lot in the summer about who is the biggest bounce back candidate for the Calgary Flames and Jacob Markstrom was an automatic nominee. For me, he's done absolutely everything the Calgary Flames could ask of him through these nine games. You're just not necessarily seeing it translate on the hard stats but that's more indicative of the team in front of him than it is Jacob Markstrom. He's my MVP as it stands right now. The uh, in you, you talk about some of those underlying numbers, like when you when you have Jacob Markstrom on the first page of the goal saved above expected over at Money Puck, you that's that's where you want him. I mean, you, you you'd like him to have less of the high dangers that you just talked yep. about. I was looking at those over at Natural Statric earlier on Monday as well. You're like, yeah, that's you don't you don't want to see him in the That's not a good category to be in. Especially when you're talking about guys over 200 and 300 minutes. You're like, you don't want to see him that high in terms of how many high dangers he's faced. Guys, the 5 on 5 high dangers at the Heritage Classic through 40 minutes of play cool. were 19 to 2. The Flames were run over for like 35 straight minutes in that game and Jacob was the only person that and and some power play time the only reasons why the Flames were even within striking distance in in that game on national television in front of 60,000 people they got absolutely pulverized for a vast majority of the game, and yet Jacob Markstrom kept them within a shot for good chunks of that game. They had an opportunity going into the third period to tie that hockey game, and uh, Jacob was the number one reason why. So when you see him on the first page over at Money Puck in terms of goals saved above expected, when you see him in the same conversation as Ilya Sorokin and Igor Shesterkin and, and some of the other top-end goalies in the league when it comes to their goals saved above expected, that's where you want him. He's been a bright spot. I know the record doesn't look very good. Hell, I know the raw save percentage doesn't even look really good, but especially when save percentage through nine games is a very skewed stat, I think if you start looking at some of the underlyings that you're seeing right now, they show you that he's been a very, very important part of this team. And as, yeah, guys, as you've said, it's been the, the best goaltender, uh, sorry, the best player this team has had from the start of the season to where we are now. Yeah, and guys, I know that there were some players who were really frustrated with the lack of saves last season. And you can say that the head coach was the problem, but ultimately, if the coach's players don't go out there and perform, 
then you're not going to win games. And I do think that uh, the Flames had to make a coaching change, which they did. And as Nikita Zadorov said last week, that eliminated uh, a big excuse for a number of current Flames players who did not see eye-to-eye with Daryl Sutter. And I'm not sure that Jacob Markstrom saw eye-to-eye with the former head coach either. But goaltending is not an excuse. We can't sit here and say that the Flames are, are one save away from picking up a point or two, as we did so many yeah, times right. last season in all of those one-goal games. Now, and this hasn't been the case in the last couple of games, but prior to that, in the first three games of the losing streak, they were kind of one goal away from picking up a point or two potentially. But they haven't been one save away because the goaltender, uh, not goaltenders, because it's been a tough start to the season, small sample size, but tough start to the season for Dan Vladar, but the number one goaltender has been their best player. And I don't know if I was in that dressing room, I'd have a hard time looking at Jacob Markstrom in the eyes right now because, um, yeah, maybe they picked him up from time to time last season. He's been trying his best to pick them up uh, to start this season. And now they got to start to score some goals for him and they got to tighten up defensively in front of him. And I, I guess that's what's concerning for me, fellas, is that earlier in the year, for me, they were trying to figure out uh, their new way of defending and they were having a hard time with that, but they were getting shots and they were getting chances and they just weren't finishing them. Now they're having a hard time at both ends of the ice, which uh, does not make life any easier for the goaltenders, but uh, he's doing his best to, to give him a chance to win. That's for sure. Yeah. For me, he passes the eye test. The underlying numbers paint the same picture. And if you're going to be hard on him for his performance last season, and I know I was, you have to highlight how good he's been so yep. far this year. Daily Flames Roundtable, Derek, Aaron, and Pat on this Monday edition of Flames Talk. Um, Ilya Solovyov uh, goes back to the American League, and understandably, like we understand the numbers game, and they had eight defensemen, but uh, with Rasmus Anderson not available, they decided to bring Solovyov up and give him an opportunity. Now he's back in the American League after a two-game NHL debut. What did we think of Ilya Solovyov's two NHL games as he goes back to the Wranglers? Well, I think you put it perfectly, Pat. It is a numbers game, and I think that is all it is right now. And when I say that, it's a numbers game in the sense that you're getting your number one defenseman back on Wednesday. Rasmus Anderson has served his four-game suspension, and with him coming back, uh, if you don't send somebody down, then you've got eight defensemen. No need to have eight on your roster. Uh, but also a numbers game because Ilya Solovyov doesn't have to clear waivers. And the Flames don't have a ton of depth on defense, especially now that they've lost Jeremy Poirier, who was off to a phenomenal start with the Calgary Wranglers. Now, he's not an option for them for uh, the considerable future. So you have not as much depth on defense as you did last season or would probably like to have this season, especially with, uh, as mentioned, Poirier out with an injury right now and uh, also Oliver Shillington uh, dealing with uh, some personal stuff. So... um, Soloviev goes down because he doesn't have to clear waivers. But quite frankly, fellas, I'm sad to see him go down because I thought he performed at a really high level in his first two NHL games and gave the Flames some really good minutes. He is a defense-first defenseman. Uh, I'm not sure he's ever going to give you a ton offensively, but I think that's okay. And when you don't notice those types of players all that often during the course of a game, especially the first two games of their NHL career, I think that's about as big a compliment as you can give a guy like Ilya Solovyov. Uh, He's big. He's physical at times. He he has 
rarely made mistakes. I think this kid's got a really bright future. And if some uh, more veteran Flames defensemen, uh, one in particular, uh, could be sent down without having to clear waivers, I'm not sure that uh, Solovia would be the guy going down to the AHL right now because he's given them some really good minutes, in my opinion. You hit on a point there, Derek, that I want to sort of highlight because I think you're absolutely right. I think he came in as advertised and one of those advertising qualities, one of the adjectives I jotted down in regards to his game is quiet and quiet in a good way. Stay-at-home defensemen usually stand out and when they when they make a mistake, they stand out. And I thought for the most part, he did a good job of being unnoticeable for the right reasons. And I know he was minus three against the Oilers, but I don't think that was necessarily indic- indicative Wow, that's a word you for me. You got it, you got it. Of breakdowns Indicative. revolving around him or pertaining to him. I think uh, nothing from what I saw of him leads me to believe that he doesn't have an NHL pedigree or an NHL future. And I think just what you saw is great for I'm a player that you plucked out of the seventh round of the draft in 2020, I believe it was, as a double overager. Yeah. Nothing in his game made me go, oh, this guy's over his skis and this experiment is over and done with. He's certainly going to be back at some point. It's going to be pending injury. It's going to be pending opportunity. But for me, he's got the pedigree of an NHL defenseman. Well, we got a, a pretty cool opportunity to, to watch the game from the, the most unique vantage point ever. And, and you know, Derek and, and Megan and I were all sitting side by side. It's funny, you go watch the, uh, you go watch the highlights, you can see all three of our heads on every highlight just because we're right there. And um, it was it was just I've never watched a game from that vantage point full. I know lots of people do when you're on the glass. Lots of people do all the time. That was the first time I'd ever watched an NHL game start to finish from there. And there were a couple of times when Solovyov was on the ice against Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. And you just, you just saw, I, and, and Connor was shot out of a cannon times 20 in his first game back. I just was impressed the way Solovyov stuck with him, the way he was able to angle him to the outside a couple of times where Connor tried to bust to the inside and Solovyov didn't let him. And, and it was, I, I, I came away from his two games very impressed by what I saw. He looks comfortable. He looks poised. He looks like he can play in this league. So depending on where things go for the Flames here as the season goes along, I think that they know, especially to your point, Wilsey, about Jeremy Poirier, I think they know who their first recall is if they mm-hmm. have to go to the American League again. Yeah, and that's the great news. Uh, you've got a couple of games under your belt, and that's great experience for a young defenseman like Ilya Soloviov. But if you're the Flames and there's an injury or there's a suspension and you need to call somebody up, I think you feel comfortable not only calling him up but inserting him right into your lineup because it's not like they had to put him in. They could have left Jordan Osterley in. They made that choice. Yeah. And he looked so good in his first game. I don't think they could pull him out in the second game, even though that second game was the Heritage Classic against the Flames' biggest rival, the Oilers, with Connor McDavid coming back. And and you made a great point, Pat, about uh, how he defended McDavid in yesterday's game. Well, guess who else was on the ice when Connor McDavid was? Leon Dreisaitl. And I thought he did a good job defending him as well. Uh, they're both great players, but they're different players. McDavid, you worry about the speed. And, and Drysaddle, he's so big and strong and good at protecting the puck. And I thought he, he did okay against both guys, uh, which is impressive considering he hadn't played against either of those guys in a regular season game before. So 
Uh, really promising for Ilya Soloviev. Uh, I feel for him that he's got to go back down, but hey, what a great experience. He gets to play in a couple of games, including the Heritage Classic. Unfortunately, the Flames didn't win either of the games he played in. Uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit, but I think his partner de deserves a lot of credit as well, fellas. And I was listening to uh, the 32 Thoughts podcast on the drive back from Edmonton today, and Jeff Merrick uh, said, you know, back in the day when the Red Wings were uh, one of the best teams and, and sometimes the best team in the NHL, uh, the, the tongue-in-cheek question was, who's the second best player on the Wings? And the answer was, whoever's playing with Nick Lidstrom, right? Because he just made his partner that much better. I think the same can be said to a lesser extent, obviously, about Chris Tanev. Whoever plays with Chris Tanev, I don't care if it's Quinn Hughes or if it's Noah Hannafin or if it's Ilya Soloviev, Tanev makes his partner better. So uh, pretty good guy to mentor a young defenseman, I'd say. I can't disagree with that. And one of the metrics to, to, to bring it back to Soloviev that you look for in a defenseman is simply put ice time. How comfortable is the coach rolling you out there? And in his two games, he averaged 16, 35. That's more than Jordan Osterley, yeah. who had 14, 39 in three games and Dennis Gilbert, who averages yeah. 13, 13 in eight games. So the fact that he's in terms of time on ice, the number six ahead of the two other veterans speaks volumes for me. Thank you, Wilsey. We'll uh, do it again on Tuesday. Can't wait. He is Derek Wills. He's Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. That starts to wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. Thanks to Taylor and Cam, our producers. And uh, the Daily Flames Roundtable is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Book your winter detail package today for $349. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary Airport.